Rink-wide Vancouver. Pre-game, post-game, every game presented by Bodog from Sports Odds to free casino games. Make a play at Bodog.net. Wadden and J-Pat here with you. Beautiful, gorgeous day. Downtown Vancouver, J-Pat. That's where you are. Of course, I'm out here, South Surrey, White Rock area. Loving this weather. It's hockey weather, right? <laughs> sort of. Yeah, of course kind it of. is. Well, for yeah, the teams remaining, it is. <laughs> well, it, that's kind of funny that the Sunbelt Final Four, and yet we've got warmer temperatures here in Vancouver than in any of those places, although that will change. Yeah. But, uh yeah, I mean, did I see somewhere that Vegas is the northernmost outpost of the four teams remaining? So that kind of just puts it in perspective of uh, what we've got left here down to the final four after the Kraken, the mighty Kraken, eliminated last night in Big D. Someone said that it's uh, Gary Bettman's wet dream, these four teams that are remaining right now. But at the same time, too, I also saw somebody question the fact that the TV ratings perhaps won't be the best and I think Gary Bettman likes those TV ratings as much as he likes uh, being in those Southern climates as well. So I'm interested. And I know the hockey fans that listen to this podcast will be interested as well. But of course, we are a Canucks podcast and we got a little bit of news today. Jonathan Lacaramaki is getting loaned out. He's going to remain in the SHL. J-Pat, you've done your homework on this. Fill the people in. Yeah, uh, we kind of figured when he signed with the Canucks, that gave them a little more control in the process of where he would play. Of course, his team last season uh, was in the Alsvenskan, which is the basically the second division in Swedish hockey. So you figured it's a first-round pick that he would play next season in the Swedish Hockey League. And now he's played in the SHL before. In fact, before his draft, he spent half a season in the SHL. Moderate results, but again, he was awfully young then. So... This will be different, and Patrick Alvin said that there would be a number of teams interested in his services, and sure enough, it sounded like the Canucks had some options, and they have selected Orbro, uh, which is, uh, as I've read and learned, uh, the sixth largest city in Sweden. It's uh, looks like it's an hour west or so of uh, Stockholm, if you're looking on a map, if you're planning to go. And it's interesting because uh, Orbro is also the team that Elias Patterson plays for the other Elias yeah. Patterson, the defense. Right. And I wonder if that was a factor. I mean, you want to put LeCarrie in the best position to succeed. So I'm sure there were a number of reasons why the Canucks felt this was the place for him. But if you're Michael Samuelson, you're probably doing fist pumps and thinking like, Hey, one-stop shopping. Now, if I'm over here, it's my job as sort of the player development guy for uh, Swedish prospects. Well, if I was already going to go to Oro to watch games, to watch uh, the defenseman, Elias Patterson, now I've got LeCaramaki. So uh, it will, I think, make his job a little bit easier. There's actually lots of connections to this Oro team. Uh, it's coached by Johan Hedberg, the Moose, uh, who was a Canuck for a while. Yeah. Uh, their leading scorer last year was Rodrigo Abels, who was a seventh-round pick of the Canucks a bunch of years ago, playing for Latvia right now uh, at the World Hockey Championship. Philip Holm played one game for the Canucks. I was there in Vegas when he played. Um, so, uh, you know, <laughs> a small tie to the Vancouver Canucks. Petros Palamu, former Canuck draft pick, started last season uh, there and then got dealt away, so he's not there anymore. But there is one other really interesting name uh, on this Orbro roster. Now we don't know where he's going to play next year, but Leo Carlson, yeah, seen that plays there, and you know it's expected that he'll go third overall. 
Uh, although, I guess that could change. But whatever the case, he's going to be a high draft pick. If he spends another season in Sweden, you know, there's a possibility that Jonathan Karamaki could be a winger to, you know, one of the top prospects in the Swedish Hockey League or in, in the National Hockey League who played this past season in the Swedish Hockey League. So, you know, that's interesting to me. And I wonder if that went into it as well as the Canucks are trying to figure out. I mean, Patrick Alvin, obviously, uh, really familiar with all of these teams and sort of that whole Swedish hockey landscape. So, uh, yeah, that much we know that John Lekaramaki now has a place to play. It's a two-year contract, but like all of those deals uh, for first-rounders, there's an out. So I think you're looking at one year of Lekaramaki playing in the Swedish Hockey League against men, against pros, guys that have been doing this for a living, and this will be a step up from last season for him. But he doesn't turn 19 until July, so he's going to be 19 all of next year. He can still play in the World Juniors for Sweden, so I would think that that would very much be on his radar. And then at the end of, you know, at this time next year, uh, take stock of how his year went, where is he in his development. It's a two-year deal, but I would think in the Canucks' minds, like think out a year, Elias Pettersson, the, I don't want to say the real Elias Pettersson, the original Elias Pettersson, the one that plays for the Vancouver Canucks, he's into the final year of his contract next year. You know, he's going to be a double digits guy. You're going to need some players on entry-level contracts that can come in and play and help you. And so I think the timing there uh, might work for a guy like Lekaramaki to make the jump after uh, a full season in the Swedish Hockey League. So let's see where it goes. But uh, clearly the Canucks, uh, they have the reasons, you know, to me, sort of as an observer from the outside over here, like, I, I want to see this guy do well and develop and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it didn't matter to me whether he played for uh, Lexand or Faryastad or, as it turns out, or, you know, like, I, I don't, the Canucks would have the reasons from the outside. You know, we'll just chart his progress as he goes. And let's hope that uh, it's a, you know, let's hope it's a, a, a smoother season than this past year because he finished strong, had the big playoff, point of game guy in the playoffs, but uh, mono and a foot injury and just, uh, you know, a bit of a sluggish start and all that kind of stuff. Uh, hopefully that's behind him and he can just hit the ground running and have uh, a, a good full season and maybe uh, his final season uh, playing over in Sweden. I was hoping he was going to play for Faryastad because that's my team in the SHL. Big Faryastad supporter. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Choked last year when they lost in the quarters. Yeah. Faryastad Firebirds. Is that what they are? <laughs> I don't even know. I've got it here in front of me. I'm just looking at the standings. I don't know either. Uh, Orbro uh, finished in the uh, fourth overall, and then they lost in the semis. I just semis. get hungry. Every time I see Orbro, I, know. I think of I'm Orioles. thinking it too. Yeah. yeah. So a couple of they Canucks wear black and white uni- They should. They should wear black and white uniforms. They should. They should look like an Oreo. Yes. Yeah. A couple of Canucks bros on Orbro there. Huh? You yeah. like that? That was cheesy. Yeah. I know. Um, when it comes to the Karamaki, I don't know. Like, I feel like a lot of Canuck fans are not overly excited about this player. It might have a lot to do with the season that he just had. In fact, I think it might have everything to do with that. Because outside of people that follow prospects, I don't think people know much about this player. But when it comes to first-round picks, like usually people are excited, can't wait till they get into the lineup. And, of course, some take longer to marinate than others. And in Karamaki's case, that will be the case. But it just seems like just how underwhelming that for, or I guess, the first season underneath being a Canuck was to the fans that I, I just don't sense that, that all that many people are that excited about this player. No, I think that's fair. I, I get that same sense. I can't speak for everybody. Uh, you know, he was drafted 
sort of the the idea was, oh, this guy's got this big league shot already, and he's going to round out his game as uh, you know a guy that can score from distance. Um, I think part of it is there's just such a glut of wingers right now that it's hard True. to get excited. Yeah. Like, where does he fit? Because until they move some of these pieces in the logjam, like it really is hard to, you know, a first round pick. He wasn't a top 10 guy, but he was a top 20 player. You know, I think obviously he's right up at the top, if not at the top of the Canucks prospects list. So, you know, he figures prominently down the road, but. It's just it's hard right now to sort of get a sense of where is he going to play because there are so many roadblocks and they don't have to worry about it this year because he's not coming over and playing here this year. Uh, he'll come to prosper the development camp in the summer, but then the SHL season starts and he'll go home and uh, so he won't be around. I don't think for young stars or, or main training camp. Um, but I kind of I'm with you and I don't know. You know, part of it is he's not his own hype machine like. English is a second language, and when he even did the Zoom a week ago after uh, his contract signing, very low-key, soft-spoken, short sentences, and I, I don't get a sense that Canuck fans really know the person. Uh, I think we have a sense of the kind of player he can be, but, you know, hey, that worked for the Sedins all right. The, they didn't have a lot to say early on, and then they kind of grew into into their role. So I'm not saying that he's going to get to those heights, but uh, he's not the first guy to come out of Sweden who – you know, maybe a little on the, whether it's shy side or just sort of um, lowish profile, uh, he'll let his actions speak for themselves, and the hope is that he'll develop into the kind of player that the Canucks figure that he would when uh, they took him 15th overall last year. And remember, too, he had mono to start. I mean, yeah. The list of the mono. Yeah. Like, it was a tough go. It was. And through it all, you know, he arrived at playoff time. That's the kind of guy I want. I want a guy who... Yeah, maybe has a struggle in the regular season, but finishes strong. I'd, I'd rather have that than, you know, the flip side. And we've seen that enough here in these playoffs with, you know, a guy that has a big regular season and then is nowhere to be found in the playoffs. Like, I think that I, that brings more questions than answers. I would way rather have a guy that struggles through a regular season, but when the lights are brightest and the chips are down, he comes through. And, you know, a point of game guy uh, as a teenager in his playoffs, uh, he finished strong. And now the question is, can he? He's moving up a level, but can he pick up where he left off? Yeah, I'll use a cautionary tale with uh, Vasily Pakolzin, though, because we saw a similar. Fair enough. Right. No, right. His, his last year, and he had that good yep. playoff. I, I, although there were people saying that just the, the way the KHL works and whatnot, that the younger players are getting suffocated a little bit in terms of ice time and whatnot. So, again, I'm not I'm not making any no, but sort he, of. But even Pakolzin last year as a Canuck finished strong when there were injuries and he got promoted and he, yeah. you know, and yeah. he gave everybody this sense that, like, look out, he's kind of found it in, you know, second year and. And then we know it was a big step back for Vasily Podkolzin. So, look, they need Podkolzin. They need uh, Lekaramaki. These are their first-round guys. And, again, as other players get expensive and Pedersen's going to get a massive boost and, uh, you know, it, it won't be that long. We've talked about the fact that, uh, you know, he's only played the, the four games. You know, the, there's a raise coming. Oh, my God, I'm drawing a complete here. Philip Ronick. Oh, yep. my goodness. Um, <laughs> see, I need to see more of them. Um, but yeah, the, the fact that Ronick's in for a raise, yeah. we're not that far removed. Like by the time Jonathan Lakaramaki arrives on the scene, like Quinn Hughes is going to be down to the last couple of years of the contract, and I don't even want to think about what uh, he'll be able to command uh, in his next contract. So they need some of these guys that uh, are on team friendly deals or entry level contracts or anything like that. You know, they can't afford to to miss. So. Uh, yeah, it's going to be fun to watch uh, the continued development and uh, progression of a guy like Lakaramaki, who, uh, you know, 
full season, full off season now to train and get ready for next year under the watchful eye of the Vancouver Canucks, who I'm sure will certainly you know take a role in his summer development here. Yeah, just looking at the ELCs that they currently have on the current roster, uh, Kuzmenko, but of course he will graduate into his new contract next year. Uh, Pod Colson, you only you got next year, uh, and that's year three, right? So yeah. uh, if Lakaramaki gets in. Bob Golson will, will not be on an ELC at that point. And then Neil no, Tamon is based still on what we've seen so far. He's not going to have much left. No, no, I know. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying though. And you're right. He, he'll, he'll be cheap and, and Neil Zaman's not going to, in fact, we don't even know what Neil Zaman will be with the Canucks as well, but uh, he's got one more year uh, left on his ELC as well. How many years does Bo Horvat have uh, up at YVR at the Canucks restaurant there, J-Pat? Because uh, our buddy Patrick Johnson, if you heard him uh, last Friday saying that he was leaving town for a bit, uh, he was out at the airport and noticed that Bo Horvat's banner in a Canucks uniform is still hanging at the restaurant at YVR. Now, we pointed that out, I believe, on the, what what is the sports betting again? Sports action. What is what's the local one anyway? The the ads that they have during the Canucks games. Oh and yeah, they, yeah, the BCLC. And they, and... BCLC, yeah, whatever. The, it's play now sports. That's what it is. And they had Bo Horvat in their uh, ad for weeks after the fact that he was traded. They corrected that. However, Bo is still representing out at YVR as a Canuck. Yeah, I mean, I got a kick when I saw PJ post the photo. I think he's doing Disneyland uh, family trip yeah. down to to California. Look, I'm of mixed minds. Like. You know, would it be easy to tee off on the Vancouver Canucks for another misstep? Uh, yeah, it would be. I don't think that the Vancouver Canucks as a hockey club uh, have much to do with the day-to-day operation of the restaurant that carries their name out at YVR. My sense is that uh, they've probably uh, licensed the, deal. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know that, but whatever the case, like on one hand, we spent last week yeah. kind of having fun at a new TV campaign yeah. that drilled down on standards, habits, you know, structure. And then you've got a restaurant that has your team name and logo and colors, and it can't be bothered to update the photo that it's got, you know, the, the big giant wall poster of your former captain who, oh, yeah, uh, you know, took a dig at, uh, you know, his former team and his former employees and the former city and all that kind of stuff uh, with what he said. So, yeah, I mean, I, I do find it on one level a little odd that somebody isn't in charge of updating the decor at uh, Canucks Bar and Grill out at YVR. But uh, when I think of the long list of issues facing yeah. Vancouver Canucks, yeah, exactly. uh, an outdated photo of Bo Horvat. Uh, it's pretty far down the list, but yeah, it was still good for uh, a little bit of a laugh. And I, I saw somebody had the perfect line when Patrick posted the picture and whoever it was on Twitter that said, well, it is uh, U.S. departures after all. Maybe that's a good place for, ah, for a picture go. of Bo yes. Horvat. Patrick Alvin's to-do list. Fix salary cap, get banner corrected out at YVR. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. 
Applewood offers the best in-class experience whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. As always, we remind you that you can send in your Ask J-Pats into the Go Goat Sports inbox, 778-402-9680, or hit us up on Twitter, at RinkWideVan. We talked about the core yesterday, so our Twitter account put this out, asking the fans, who do you consider uh, to be a part of the Canucks core? And a lot of people are with you, because yesterday you suggested the fact that Heronic you know, perhaps has to be a part of this, maybe even Andre Kuzmenko, but Hughes, Pedersen, Miller, Demko, that seems to be where the fans are going here. There are some suggesting that Heronic should be in that conversation and Kuzmenko as well. Chris says Shen Burroughs, Joshua Lucic. So he's added a couple of guys, that, actually three guys that aren't on the Canucks right now because Burroughs isn't there uh, as well. But for the most part, most people are, are with your way of thinking uh, yesterday and the the solid names, or at least the three that are coming up for everybody are Hughes, Pedersen, Demko. But again, as uh, I mentioned yesterday, I don't know how you don't put JT Miller into this. The fact that they committed, you know, the length of contract that they did to him, the amount of money that they did to him, like that just tells you right there what they consider JT Miller to be. And that's a core piece. You know, it's funny, I was watching the Dallas Stars uh, eliminate Seattle, and I was just thinking to myself, like, that Stars team, to me, uh, it, it mirrors the Canucks in a lot of ways. Like, they've got Ottinger, Canucks have Demko, they've got Heiskanen, Canucks have Quinn Hughes, mm-hmm. they've got Jason Robertson and his 109 points, Canucks have Elias Pettersson, now they play different positions, and so I think a lot of people in hockey would say the, the, the value is more in the centerman than it is the winger. But you know, when you're looking at cores, and then the Dallas Stars have Wyatt Johnson at 20 years of age scoring an incredible game winner. The Canucks don't have that player at this stage, right? Like they don't have a corresponding guy. Um, They'd probably like Pod Colson to be that guy, but he's just not there yet. For sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, they've got other pieces. I'm not saying that these teams are identical, but I'm just sort of, when we're talking about cores here, you know, Rope Hins uh, and JT Miller, I guess those would be your sort of matches that Robertson was the, the leading scorer. He was the main trigger guy, the 46-goal man, and Rope Hins was sort of riding shotgun. JT Miller, obviously, last year was a 99-point guy takes a step back, and it feels now like he has been passed by Liz Pedersen in terms of being the true offensive driver. The The problem is that the Stars are still alive in the Stanley Cup playoffs. There was a chance to win the Cup this year, but they've got this core group, and they've got Logan Stankoven, uh, who has ripped it up for two years in the Western Hockey League and is going to be playing in the Memorial Cup uh, coming up here shortly. And just I was looking at the Athletic earlier today for one of those prospect pool like rankings team by team and the stars are middle of the pack they're in stankhoven's at the top of that list but i think they were ranked 16th by the athletic and the canucks were 27th or 28th so you've got a dallas team that is competitive in the here and now and sort of their core isn't going anywhere um and they've got some pieces that they're going to add to it now there's also going to be some 
graduation at some point. Like Ryan Suter is near the end of the line. Joe Pavelski can't play forever, even though it kind of feels like he he could, and he's still going strong. Yeah, he's like, hold my beer right now. And then you got Jamie (laughs) Benn and... You know, yeah. Tyler Sagan will still be around for a while, but you know that's what makes it such a challenge for the Vancouver Canucks is they're trying to build a team that can just get to the playoffs first and foremost, and sort of at the most important positions, you've got the Dallas Stars who are checking off all these boxes right here, right now, and it really feels like the core of that hockey club is going to allow them to be competitive for the next five or six years, I would think. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because Ben and Sagan, some people might have said were a few years ago would have said those are anchor contracts and they're actually they've done well with them like ben's been good this year sagan's turned a corner tyler sagan had a ton of injuries like tough injuries to get through as well he signed through the 26 27 season he's got four more years after if i asked you how old tyler sagan is how old how old do you think he is well i i feel like he should be in his sort of mid to early 30s but i think he's only 29 yeah he's 31 actually but oh, i mean 31? it, it okay. does feel like he's been in the league longer than that yep. right oh for sure um and again like i said he's got four more years left on that contract but again like look at how well dallas has done with two contracts that some people thought were past their prime and they've been able to work through them and of course joe pavelski has been just an incredible find for them and the fact that he's only going to cost three and a half million dollars next year is pretty amazing for uh, Dallas as well. But you're right. I mean, and then you look at someone like Suter. Now, don't be wrong. Like Suter, they have two more years left of Suter. They're not going to like probably those those two more years left of him. But they're not playing that full freight that uh, he was on before in Minnesota. So they do have their warts when it comes to their salary cap. But you're right. There are some parallels that you can draw here. But at the same time, too, the one parallel you can't draw is the fact that they're in a Western Conference Final and the Canucks are playing golf. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. And speaking of that uh, playoff talk there, Jay Pats, uh, mm-hmm. let's get into it. Of course, presented by our buddy Jason Hominick at Jason.mortgage. Yeah, so many questions right now about the market and what's best for you if you're a first-time home buyer or you want to be a first-time home buyer or perhaps your mortgage is up for renewal. You've got questions. Guess what? Jason Hominick, he has answers. He's been at this for 30 years years. He's got experience to lean on. And of course, you don't want to go it alone. The banks, uh, they've got uh, all the resources behind them. So yeah, load up and uh, phone a friend. That friend, of course, would be Jason Hominick at Jason.mortgage. So get him on your side. We should have phoned a friend when we were doing our round two predictions. Oh they should have told us, no, no, do not pick any of your, oh, outside of the fact that you picked Dallas. I went 0 for 4. Oh man. 0 for 4. Oof. And you went one for three. You picked I'm Dallas. I'm here at the, the podcast. You can't see me. I'm peacocking around because I got, I got one of four. <laughs> so we'll get into our uh, Eastern Conference Final and Western Conference Final predictions in just a moment. But uh, let's just unpack that game seven a, a little bit uh, from last night. Uh, 2-1, Dallas able to eke it out. I don't know about you. And I was eating dinner. Mom was in town for one last night. So we were out for dinner. But we did have the game on. So I wasn't 
100% focused on it. Mom was okay celebrating with you the day after Mother's. That was she okay. Was, that, yeah, that, yeah. That, I, all right. But of course, uh, guess who paid for the dinner again last yeah. night, though, right? Like, she milked me big time. She got two out of three days. <laughs> but not the right one. <laughs> not the right one. Well, she got my brother for that one. I mean, she, oh, man. she cashed in, man. She Tough cashed crowd. In. Yeah. Uh, but I was just sort of watching the, it just, I did, I don't know. I didn't really feel a whole lot of energy for, it didn't just, it didn't feel like a game seven, I guess, from, from my perspective, but maybe, uh, you can tell me I'm wrong. Well, I just think that the longer a game seven goes scoreless, the home fans are starting to, you know, chew the fingernails and sit on their hands and they're getting a little anxious and the stars had all sorts of chances. We talked about Tyler Sagan. Uh, he alone had a number and anybody that listens regularly knows that we don't like to talk about chances. I want to talk about goals, but there weren't any goals for the first half of that hockey game. And I thought the longer it went, that maybe that favored Seattle, that, you know, they spread the scoring, who was going to be the hero. And I guess I should have been shocked that it was Rope Hins ultimately that did open the scoring. Bit of a strange goal in as much as Esselindel with the high flippy through the neutral zone. And that thing just stopped on a dime. Uh, Jamie Alexiak, I think, expected that it was going to bounce to him and he would be able to control it. And... It's like that puck had a little backspin, a little wedge action on it, uh, or somebody, you know, reeling in on a fish hook. But it, you know, Rope Hins with the great anticipation and basically picks Alexiak's pocket and then with his speed off to the races and he scores. And that came just moments after Philip Grubauer had robbed Tyler Sagan. Grubauer was terrific and, yeah. and really all playoffs. He was really good for them, but uh, he was holding down the Ford. And then once Dallas scored, that sort of that, uh, you know, the, the, Safety valve on the pressure release. I just think you could feel the people, the energy in that building. Uh, there was certainly hope. Now, it won nothing. Seattle's right in it. Uh, but they didn't do much in the third. I was a little disappointed in the Kraken in the third period. You usually expect that teams recognize that it's now or never. Leave it all out there on the ice. But I think that's credit to Dallas and the way that they played. And, you know, they did a pretty nice job of locking down uh, the Minnesota Wild as that series went along when Mini scored three goals in the final three games. So Dallas has been there and done that, and they did it again to the Seattle Kraken. An incredible second season for the Kraken. Uh, you know, nothing to be ashamed of taking the Dallas Stars to a game seven after defeating the defending champs yeah. in seven. Uh, that city came alive. You know, they were that close to, to punching their ticket to the final four, which would have been incredible. But as it was, uh, they get a playoff victory under their belt. Uh, they've got something to build on. They've got a lot of, you know, pieces there that will be back next year. Like they don't have a lot of expiring contracts. And Maddie Beniers is getting warmed up. He's going to be a whole lot better. And he's already at a pretty high level. Shane Wright, uh, who dropped to them at four last year, you know, they'll plug him in. And so, you know, some high end talent in that regard, and they've got a little bit of money to play with as well. So there's a baseline there. Uh, you know, the first year I think was all about establishing hockey in Seattle. It was a bit of a novelty. Uh, and then now there's this real belief and I don't know that they're going to be able to repeat a hundred point season and getting to the second round, but they've raised the bar of expectation in the Emerald city. And so uh, hats off to the Seattle Kraken. And again, I just think it's great. Uh, for the Vancouver Canucks and people, what do you mean? It's great for the Canucks. I want all these teams in the Pacific division to raise the level so that the guys down at Rogers arena have no choice, but to get this figured out to, you know, get the Vancouver Canucks. It's going to make it tougher for them, but they can't get left behind. And so if you think it's going to be easy and I don't imagine they do, but I think it's good to have your closest geographic rival. And I know it's not a rivalry yet, but I just think that, 
look, like they've raised the bar. Yeah. And now it's up to the Vancouver Canucks. Like there's no freebies. The you know, what do they I think they beat the crack in the first six times or seven times that they play them. Uh, I think it was six ultimately. And then they got smoked. Remember the second game for Rick Talk, it was in Seattle and they got uh, smoked then. Um, you know, early on in the Kraken's existence, yeah, I mean, the Canucks had their way, but that's uh, certainly changed now. And so I just think that uh, you have to recognize that it's not going to take three or four or five years for the Seattle Kraken. Like, they've arrived as a legitimate operation in the National Hockey League, and it's up to the Canucks to get it figured out, to be better than them and be better than uh, a whole bunch of other teams uh, while you're at it. If you're a Kraken fan, you're looking down the, your nose at a Canucks fan right now. Yeah. No, you can't, like, certainly. Legitimately. And hopefully that'll build. Hopefully that animosity will build there from Canuck fans uh, with Seattle. Because they, they do. They need a rival here. You know what's yep. interesting, too, about, about Seattle is for sort of the sports heartbreak that they've had outside of the the, the Seahawks and, and I guess the Sounders as well. But, you know, you lose the, the Sonics. The Mariners just, what, 20 years without playoffs. And in the last year, you get the Mariners back in the playoffs, finally. And then you get this Kraken team that just, uh, I don't know about you, I don't think anybody saw this coming this year from them. So good on Seattle, but at the same time, too, let's see this rivalry build. Like, I want to see one between these two cities. I want Canuck fans to hate the Kraken and vice versa, because I, what I'm seeing right now, and I got a good buddy as well, I'm not going to call him out here, who's who's claiming to be a Kraken fan. And I've known for years. Like, I'll go into his closet. He's probably got three different Canuck jerseys in there. But he's claiming to have switched uh, allegiances now. And I'm wondering how many Canuck fans are doing that. Same any, other, uh, any other skeletons in that closet oh, of his? Yeah. Oh, yeah, lots, oh, lots. Yeah. Trust right. me. Trust a different me. podcast? Yeah, we got uh, different podcasts all together. I will say this about the Kraken. And, again, there's nothing to be ashamed of. This isn't my point. Uh, but I would think that, Jared McCann probably feels a little bit disappointed. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, a 40 goal season arrived as a legitimate goal scorer. And then, you know, it takes the cheap shot hit from Kale McCarr. He was never the same. Like he got back in, he played the final four games of the Dallas series, but he had a, a one goal, but just didn't leave his mark. And in a game that was scoreless into the second period and was begging for, you know, somebody to step up, I think earlier in the season, Absolutely. He was the guy. And as it turned out, Rope Hins was as hot as anybody in hockey these days. You know, it was him. And he turned out to be the, and it wasn't the difference maker because it was the one other goal. And then they got the second goal. Uh, and then Seattle with the goal in the final minute. It's too bad they didn't get it a little sooner than that so that there was a legitimate, you know, push and that they still had some time. Uh, I thought it was interesting. And they talked about it on the broadcast too. Kraken score, face off at center. There's what, 17 seconds to go. They dumped the puck in. And Ottinger froze it, and I thought, like, you just got scored on yeah. on a, a defensive zone face-off play. Like, you're tempting fate here. Like, they well, just, Everly had a chance, did he not? Yeah, like the this, shot that... Yeah. Uh, I And, look, I'll trust that Ottinger had a better read on this, but I... And they, again, they mentioned on the broadcast, it just felt to me, like, find a way to keep that clock moving with nine seconds to go, whether you're dumping it into the corner or trying to, you know, off the glass, like take the icing. If you, if there was a way to just dump it the length of the ice or even in behind the net, uh, I was just surprised that he froze the puck and, and gave Seattle that opportunity to at least have one more crack with the, uh, 
uh, you know, with an offensive zone faceoff moments after they had just scored on a similar situation. I had the Kraken on the money line last night. That was my Bodog best bet. If you guys uh, heard the pod yesterday, you heard that. I was just like loving the the value on it. It was almost two to one at uh, plus one seventy five. In like, let's be honest, that was the pick'em of a game. No, yep. like I don't understand why the. I guess the money was just so heavily. Uh, going towards Dallas, and and rightfully so. In the end, they did win. So, but that well, I just thought that was way too high. I had to go for it. Didn't make any money. Not all that worried about it. Cons might throw the well just before it, and maybe this kind of dovetails into that conversation. Sure. But coming out of a game seven, uh, it's just so interesting to see the usage of players in certain situations. Situations. It's easy for me to say. Um, <laughs> Miro Heiskanen, and we've talked him up, and we you talked about, love him, man. I, I do. Him. Well, yeah. clearly, Pete, not as much as Peter DeBoer, but uh, <laughs> no. I, I again, I, 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 he's fascinating to me. And we talked earlier in this program about the core and the matching, and you know, I said he, they've got Heiskanen, and the Canucks have Quinn Hughes, and all those things that we've talked about. Quinn Hughes getting better, one of the best defensemen. Still not sure that he'll ever win a Norris just because of the company that he's in. And I say the same thing about Miro Heiskanen. And yet Miro Heiskanen played 12 minutes in the third period. Again, they're in lockdown mode, trying to advance. He's got a bubble on. He's still not, you know, 100% after taking the puck in the face earlier in the series. He played 12 minutes of the third period, 32-07 in an elimination game. And the guy really like can do it all. And they just lean on him uh, night after night after night. So... Uh, you know, if the Stars are going to advance, they're going to need another huge series from Miro Heiskanen. He'll probably have more ice time that's uh, along those lines. And that battle with Vegas is now a series of, you know, there are so many good defensemen in that series, whether it's Heiskanen, whether it's Eskalindel on the Dallas side of things, uh, Petrangelo and, you know, Shea Theodore, who I, again, I still think has room to, uh, develop his game. I, I don't think he's been at his best in these playoffs, but another round, another opportunity for him. So we'll see. Uh, uh, there is no question that the Dallas Stars, uh, they lean on Miro Heiskanen a ton, but 32 minutes and seven seconds of ice time in an elimination game. That uh, pretty much tells you all you need to know about what the coaching staff thinks of their stud defenseman. Bodog's odds for the Conn Smythe Trophy are out. Miro Heiskanen at plus 2,500. The odds on favorite? favorites i should say because there's two of them can you guess them or i think you might have already seen this list i've looked so i okay. know so it's jack eichel at plus 600 and sebastian aho from carolina of course at plus six they had to put carolina beside his name that. and it's like yep. <laughs> at plus 600 as well i found this interesting because i feel like vegas isn't really getting as much love on this list right now i see jack eichel i see mark stone and that's it for Vegas Golden Knight play, uh, players and Stones at plus one thousand. Where's Jonathan Marchessault? though? And I, you know, we talked about him on the pod yesterday, and I said that's a big game player, big playoff performer. Like, there's a guy there. If Vegas were to find themselves in in a Stanley Cup final, I feel like he's going to be a big part of that and could be uh, one of those guys that could be a favorite for the Conn Smythe Trophy. Um, if you had to pick, I, 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 I mean, it's so hard to say right now because, it, it, like, who do you think is is going to end up in the final and whatnot? And I guess we can do our predictions here, but you know, as much as I love uh, Carolina to win the cup, I don't know if Sebastian Ajo is my favorite for the Smythe Trophy. You know, perhaps a goaltender is going to stick out, and Frederick Anderson's at plus nine hundred right now. Does Freddie Anderson, you know, win Carolina this? So interesting to see exactly. 
you know, where this Conn Smythe trophy goes, because right now I do not feel like there's a favorite. Right. I think this brings it back to this conversation about the lack of star power still remaining. There are four teams. Somebody's winning the Stanley Cup, but so many of the superstars in the NHL are on the outside now. Matthew Chuck has played his way yes. into, you know, back-to-back 100-point seasons. He, he He's a superstar in this yeah. league. Uh, but it's an uphill battle. I, I'm not writing Florida off, but you know, Carolina is the prohibitive favorite there. Um, so I think it would take something. Now, if Florida is to get past Carolina, you have to think that Matthew Kachuk's going to have his fingerprints on it, but they just got past Toronto. With, and he was him, relatively yeah, crying. Yeah, and, yeah. and I don't feel like the hockey world is talking that much about it because his team is still alive and everybody's crapping on the Leafs guys that didn't perform in that series. True. But Kachuk yeah. was relatively quiet. I can't imagine that Florida can get past Carolina with a quiet Matthew Kachuk for a second straight series. So the gauntlet's sort of thrown down there. Uh, my way of thinking on this one, though, is like Robe Hins at plus 900 jumped off the page at me yeah. because the way he's playing, I know we haven't got to our predictions yet, so I won't uh, tip my hand, but I will say it kind of feels like the sort of year that the consummate winner could come from the losing team. Hmm. Like if Rope Hins and the Stars get to the final, but they don't win it, but he continues to produce at a at an outrageous rate, I could see it being one of those years where voters say, like, this guy did everything in his power, and ultimately it wasn't enough. But I wouldn't discount that. So when I saw plus nine hundred for Rope Hins and the way that he's going, I don't know. That one just looked like a fair bit of value to me. Do you know the last person to win the Con Smythe that didn't win the Stanley Cup or the team didn't win well, the Stanley I, Cup? Ron Hextall certainly in 1987. I remember. Yes. Is that the last? That's not the last though. Oh, there okay. is one more goal. Oh, Jan Shiger. That is yeah. right. Yeah, back in uh, 2003. There, that 87 Cup so, final. I don't know what it is about that one. I remember it so vividly. I was I was nine, so maybe that's why. You know, just enamored by the NHL back then. But Ron Hextall and I was a goalie too, and Ron Hextall was so good in those playoffs. So I make my big case for Ropa Hins, and then it, it, it's only goaltenders that it's only goaltenders got the that- love. Huh, that's interesting that uh, there hasn't. But, you know, I, I'm with you. Like, this Carolina team, if they win the Cup, they're going to do it as a team. Like, I don't imagine that there's True. one guy yeah. that's just going to rise above. And Freddie Anderson uh, might not even be the goalie that wins it for them. Well, that's just it. You didn't start the playoffs. <laughs> and what's your body of work? Like, how many yeah. games do you have to play? Yeah. Um, yeah, that'll be, I mean, I guess if Carolina does win, then... You know, chances again are that Aho has, you know, played a, a significant role in it, and so maybe by then he becomes sort of the uh, the. Fa- but like through two rounds, Sebastian Aho has ten points in eleven games. He's tied with Jordan Martin. Nobody's given Jordan Martin a glove about uh, being a Conn Smythe winner. So uh, it's funny they've got two guys at ten points, and then like a whole bunch of guys at eight, and that's just kind of you know, who they are and how they operate. And so uh, we'll see if that trend continues um, in the next round against the the Florida Panthers. Okay, let's do this then. Predictions. Eastern Conference Final. I think everybody knows where I'm going because of the fact that I've been uh, trumpeting them so much over the last little while. But who do you got? Eastern Conference Final. Who do you think is moving on to the Stanley Cup Final representing the East? I think Carolina gets past Florida. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Do you want to do games? Well, are we going to be? Are we no. going to be? We may have to because uh, are we then? Are we competing against on the West? Um, I got Vegas. Yeah, I think Vegas. I, yeah. As much as I've, 
I, I, like uh, there are lots of individual stories on that Dallas team, but again, the Canucks went three and zero against Dallas. How many times have I said like was not impressed by Dallas when I watched them? I'm still like Jason Robertson's on a milk carton for me, man. I can't yeah. believe they got through uh, all those things that I just said about uh, Matthew Kachuk being quiet. Like I can't see Dallas getting past Vegas unless Jason Robertson steps up as a goal scorer and, and makes some things happen. But even at that, I just think Vegas is locked in right now. The way that they're playing, the team defense, the the matchup game that they can play. Uh, I love the storyline of, uh, you know, Vegas punting Pete DeBoer. And, oh, yeah, here comes Pete DeBoer back with, I'm going to go find a new team, and I'm going to come back and barge through the front door. And so, you know, Bruce Cassidy, a hell of a coach. I, actually, I like all four of the coaches that are still standing here from uh, Rod Brindamore to Paul Maurice and Pete DeBoer and, and Bruce Cassidy. Like I think those are four uh, really good coaches. So on the coaching front, not surprised that those guys are having success. But, yeah, I think Vegas will take down – Dallas uh, to advance to the Stanley Cup final. Okay, then. So we both have the same teams going to the Stanley Cup final. Then pick one each for Con Smythe. Who do you got from Carolina? Who do you got from Vegas? Uh, I, I mean, I, I guess I would go with the odds and Eichel and just, uh, I've been impressed. His first look at NHL playoff hockey, and he's certainly been up to the the challenge there. Um, and I hear your argument for a guy like Mark so and if he has a strong couple of rounds and they do win the cup, then yeah, I think he can work his way into the conversation there. Um, from Carolina, it would be easy to say Aho, but you know, the, the DNA of that team is it's a core four defenseman. And so maybe, uh, voters will go off the board if they get to the final and, and win it and they do it, you know, by stifling their opponents the rest of the way here. Uh, I, I'll take Jacob Slavin. Wow. Sort of an off-the-board selection. Love it. I'll go Chalk. I'll go Chalk. I'll go Aho. So you get Slavin. I figured I better leave you with some somebody to pick. <laughs> I know. I'm like going through it going, I, I just don't know about the goaltending because I don't know exactly who's going to be the last goalie standing for Carolina. Because did they use four this year? I know they had three for sure that had, what, multi uh, 10 or more wins each. But, yeah, I'll go. Uh, I'm going to go Aho there. And then, of course, I'll go with my guy, Marcia So. I know he's that doesn't have any odds. He will though. He will. Yeah, this is Jacob Slavin though. That is true. That is true. But Jacob Slavin, and again, plus minus. What it, he leads the NHL playoffs at plus fourteen. Nobody better than plus eleven. So he's uh, heads and shoulders uh, above anybody in the National Hockey League. And he's chipped in with six points in their eleven games. So he's better than a half a point a game guy. Plays a ton, up over twenty two minutes uh, average ice time. And again, it's just sort of the forgotten man that nobody talks about that just yep. goes out and plays hard and his team wins uh, way more often than it uh, doesn't. Yeah, one of the most underrated players in the entire National Hockey League. All right. It's been another edition of the Rink Wide Vancouver Podcast presented by Bodog for Jeff Patterson. I'm Andrew Wadden. Remember, Rink Wide is the show. Oh, 